and welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back for a quick reaction episode after our young Matildas got a win, their first win at the under-20s Women's World Cup in Costa Rica. They beat the host nation 3-1. It was such a fun game. I think part of the fun was the fact that we were all actually awake like really awake at midday. There's no real excuse to not be fully present and awake at a midday kickoff, but it was a great win. We now top Group A, which is really exciting. We finally got to see these players. There's just lots of fun, good stuff to talk about. So let's crack into it. Before we do, though, we need to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you have me, Marissa Lordanik, fresh off the tally, Samantha Lewis and Angela Christian-Wilkes. So let's talk about this game. As I said, a 3-1 win. Costa Rica scored what I can only assume will be the goal of the tournament. Their captain, Alex Pinnell, an absolute worldie. It was phenomenal. They opened the scoring and I can only imagine for that team, like in front of 22,000 people, just like what a dreamland that was, but... Australia kind of had to poo-poo that party just a little bit, little bit. But we had Sarah Hunter converting a penalty, Briley Henry scoring a toe poke, and Christy Fenton not knowing that the back of her head did a madness and she scored a header. So it was good times all round. It's always nice to win at World Cups. It was Australia's fourth win at an under-20s World Cup out of, I think it was 12 matches or something like that. So it's a pretty big deal. So... Let's talk about it. Sam, initial thoughts, vibes, feelings from this 3-1 win. Yeah, I mean, what a way to open their campaign. You know, it was the first 10, 15 minutes were a little bit nervy and that was probably very understandable, not just because this is their first ever World Cup, but because they were in front of 22,000 thousand Costa Rican fans with about 50 Australians in a little corner which were largely just family and friends so that was intimidating to start off with and but after after that goal from Pinnell which was like I I like am sorry to the producers at SBS who had their headphones on because I screamed so loudly that I probably burst some eardrums that goal was unbelievable it, it's already gone viral if it's not goal of the tournament we riot it was just incredible and what a moment for Pinnell what a moment for the team to do that in front of their home fans in front of basically everybody who would have been watching this game as well like that's a pretty significant moment but I also think that that was the moment that the young Matildas almost needed because they had to be they had to find a second gear they were looking a little bit panicked they were looking a little bit rusty. They were overhitting their passes. They were uh, not really getting their foot on the ball, but going behind, I think, forced them to be smarter. It forced them to be more precise. It forced them to be um, more determined in what they were doing. And I tweeted this as well. Like it was almost as if that goal, Sheridan Gallagher was just like, all right, that's enough. You've had your fun. Now it's our time to actually show what we can do. And she set up basically the next two goals. She crossed the ball in that one, the, the first penalty, and she crossed the second ball in uh, that was tapped home by Henry as well. So I think this was a really important moment for the team, particularly for Gallagher. That was a, a really 
um, significant, I think, demonstration of leadership for her to sort of take that initiative and, and force those moments in order to get back into the game. But after, after really those two goals and particularly through the rest of the second half, I just thought they were fantastic. The young Matildas, they were really, they were really mature. They were really solid. They were, um, they didn't panic. You know, they, they barely let Costa Rica have a glimpse at goal. And really the only moments that Costa Rica had outside of that worldie was when the young Matildas like made a mistake which was not very often. It was probably once or twice where Costa Rica actually got into the box and it was only because there was a mistake by a defender. And that's stuff that you could very easily clean up. So I'm like, I'm feeling really good about this team. I'm feeling so good about the individual players and some of the performances, but just the way that they played together, the the confidence they had in one another, their ability to really settle on the ball, settle in possession, move the ball around, uh, not constantly go for the long ball and and try and and outrun or out out muscle the other team. I just thought it was a really good performance to set the tone and to to show the kind of football that they want to play for the rest of the tournament. Angela, how are you feeling about the win and the performance? Uh, <laughs> and the Parks and Rec theme song starts to play in my head. Uh, I'm very I'm. I'm going to be real with our listeners. I'm phoning this in a little bit. I did watch the game, but I had to do work while I did it, unfortunately. Um, RIP, I'm back to real life uh, and I'm not loving it. But, yes, I agree. It was all very positive. Um, and, yeah, I was I was intrigued by, well, I, I guess for me, standout Sheridan Gallagher. I think you mentioned it in the group chat. Marissa, that Costa Rica got the Sheridan Gallagher, was it experience, Sheridan Gallagher experience, um, which is probably exactly what we needed to bring. Um, you notice in the first half that she was the one kind of, they didn't pile the pressure on, they sat back a little bit, but she was the one kind of driving the intensity up front. Um, and that's scary, um, having Sheridan Gallagher run at you full pace. So I think that can definitely help uh Russell and Jimmy's in defences, and it certainly did for Costa Rica. Um, and, yeah, in terms of, I guess, as a whole performance, it, it was just, I think, a, a great team performance overall. I was interested in how they lined up because I would have expected to, to see someone like Hannah Lowry potentially used as a little bit more of an attacking midfielder. Um, and so it was like sort of her and um, Hunter, her and Hunter, side by side sort of and then Gallich up top but yeah it seemed to really work um and they seem very adaptable they were able to switch things around as needed um and yeah just just a big positive and a promise that I will be paying much more careful attention in the next game although is that the that's the one in the morning that's the 6am kickoff sure is (laughs) okay it's all right it's all right it's all right I've been through worse We've done 2 a.m. kickoffs here, right? We can do this. We can do this. Anyway, yes, and um, shout out to the Australians that were there because they nuffed it up so hard. I loved it. They were just, yeah, that just warmed my heart seeing that. Let's talk about the lineup, the team, the players that actually were on the park today. Who impressed? Because I know for me it was Daniela Galich. And I, she's another one of those players where it was like, 
I don't know where you've popped up from, but I'm excited to watch you. And oh boy, am I now even more excited to watch her. And it still blows my mind. She's the youngest member of this squad. She's freshly 16 and she absolutely bossed that midfield. So Sam, some thoughts on other players or Galich as well? I mean, we have to talk about Danielle Galich because she was so classy and she was so beyond her years. It was almost shocking you know like even though Blaney and a number of other people in the national team setup had spoken about Galich for weeks coming into this tournament we haven't seen anything of her like really people nobody outside of and like MPLW NUFs have really seen much of Daniela Galich because she plays for the Football New South Wales Institute she plays in central midfield and she hasn't got an A-League women's call up yet I don't even think she's been a train on play. I don't think she's been on any benches and like nothing, but after just this performance, I would be shocked if there aren't clubs clamoring to try and sign her because it was just stunning. She was so composed. She was so technically confident as well. Like there are a number of probably four or five occasions where she wriggled out of probably three or four defenders, you know, and defenders who were like chopping at her heels, like, but she she didn't seem phased. She seemed so content and and confident in her own abilities that she was able to make those kinds of decisions, which for a sixteen year old player is just amazing. So yeah, I'm I'm all aboard the Gallich train now. I think she was incredible. But alongside her, and I said this during the broadcast as well, I thought Sarah Hunter was really really good, and we knew that Hunter would be good. Um, because we had seen her with Sydney FC, where every time she came onto the field, she did something impressive. We knew that she was going to be good because she had scored basically a goal a game in every young Matilda's friendly match leading up to this tournament as well. I was interested in the fact that she played a little bit deeper than perhaps what we're used to seeing because she does pose that goal-scoring threat going forward. She has beautiful technique, as does Hannah Lowry, from long distance outside the box. So maybe, yeah, maybe that was something that Leah Blaney just wanted to test because coming up against teams like Brazil and Spain, who are perhaps more likely to have more possession than what the young Matildas will, they need to be able to have a structure where they can rely on both Hunter and Lowry to play a little bit more defensively and a little bit deeper and yet still be able to contribute and transition in attack. So I think she did that beautifully. She was a really good pivot player. She was able to um, to switch play quite regularly. And she was like, I just, I love, I love the game smarts of her. I love that her first thought when she gets the ball at her feet is looking forward and looking for a pass forward, looking for something to happen. That's a, that's the sign to me of the kind of team that the Matildas should be at all levels, a team that is always thinking ahead. So yeah, I thought those two midfielders, midfielders were really impressive, but I was also really impressed with Kirsty Fenton, who was the, the right back. I think she had the most touches of any of the young Matildas. Um, her, Passing accuracy, I think, was almost around 90%. She scored the goal, of course, as well, the third goal, which was really fun. Um, and she just really had like a lot of uh, a lot of energy, a lot of sort of ambition, a lot of drive about her that I think was really infectious. And you kind of want to see all of the players who represent Australia to be sort of embodying that same kind of vibe, you know. So, yeah, like all of them were impressive, but those three in particular were real standouts to me. I have a question I just, for you. I, Oh, for me? Yeah. 
unless oh, you have okay. things to say. I was just going to say I, I enjoyed seeing Riley Henry do stuff and things because I mentioned that in the preview pod and it came true. That That's always nice when that happens. Um, and it did, it, it, seeing them play together so well, it does make me think about um, kind of the, I hadn't thought about it much before the tournament, but playing with people, I know this sounds so corny, but playing with people your own age, um, you don't necessarily have to overcome the same kind of um, mental barriers as you might when you're playing in a group of more experienced players, when you're all on the same level. Um, I think there's so much more room to kind of step into yourself and step into your confidence. And I, yeah, so I'm wondering if that's kind of playing out a little bit for players like Henry who are able to, I mean, of course, in the A-League women, we do have a lot of young teams, but um, in the in the case of this squad, they're all in that one bracket. And so it really, yeah, that's just my where my thoughts were going there. Um, but yes, quest, Questron? I was going to say though, just like on that as well, I think, playing with people you know as well that really kind of came to the fore we had a couple of people in our mentions um someone had tweeted why are six of these players from blacktown spartans what does this mean they obviously hadn't listened to our previous episode and they have said that they are going to go do that but the fact that a lot of these players you know keeping the best with the best they play at blacktown spartans which is the um future matilda's affiliate club or whatever it is so the fact that there were so many players who have been spending the MPLW New South Wales season together. It's a good thing. It helps. I will get to the question, Angela, I swear, but Sam has thoughts. And it's not just seeing players who have obviously been playing together consistently for a while that sort of translates to these good performances, but it's also players who seem to really like each other as friends. Like one of the things I've really loved about the young Matildas in the build-up to this is all the social media stuff that we've been getting from them. And the FIFA Women's World Cup account has also been tweeting videos of like doing little sort of activities and stuff with them. Like when they gave them a camcorder, oh my God, I lost my mind. It was so funny. Uh, But just like giving them and like seeing that they obviously really enjoy being around each other. They all have like really good friends and, and vibes. And it just like, it seems like a really positive, safe comfortable environment for all of these like young women to to feel like themselves and to and to feel appreciated and to feel part of something so that's like I like I think that what's the quote that Sam Kerr said once where she's like men need to play well to belong but women need to belong to play well I feel like that is what the young Matildas are really embodying at the moment. You really get that that sense that everyone loves to play alongside one another and they really appreciate what, one, what each other are doing for, for the team generally, you know? Well, yeah, um, Kirsty Fenton did say after the game, uh, also on that note, if you haven't watched the video of the players talking to their nine-year-old selves... It's a must. Oh my god! Them and Marissa just like I sobbed. Faces of, of of anguish. Like it's just it's beautiful. I um, have yet to stop crying. <laughs> just a single tear on on loop. Because <laughs> um, sorry, that just reminded me because Kirsty Fenton said, said some cute stuff and that, but she said after the game, she said, "We're one big family with one big dream. I hope we did you all proud. This is only the beginning." And I'm like, "Hey, how dare you be so articulate and be." <laughs> Um, but good for them, you know, because the, the the teams I played with as a teenage girl, 
I that resonated so hard, but I I did not belong and I did not play good football. So it really does matter, especially I think for this age group. So it's great to see. Anyway, that was a tangent. Marissa, you had a quest a quick thing. Sorry, I uh, we love the tangent, and I think it's a it's a valid tangent to mention in this pod. But my question was, you mentioned how you said uh, in the preview pod that you wanted to see how Briley Henry did things. Another thing you mentioned in the preview pod was your defence anxiety. So how did you feel watching this defence? Because I know for me, watching Sally James, she gives off the same vibe as like um, a, a Tegan Micah, a Lydia Williams, where you just feel safe. Like I feel like Sally James is going to bail us out if things get hairy. She emits that vibe to me so I wanted to know your thoughts if you if the anxiety lessened or if you just had any sort of feelings about the defensive performance although we should say as Sam mentioned Costa Rica didn't really test us but yes that was my question how are you feeling about defense after one game the very small sample size well yeah I guess that's the case I think the next game will be I know this is such a cop-out, but, like, the next game will be more indicative of how resilient the defence is because, as you mentioned, Sam, there were a couple of mistakes. But on the whole, it looks – I was quite pleased with what I was seeing because it was like they were looking to play the ball out. They weren't – yeah, they weren't panicking. Um, They were able to recover. Like, that goal, maybe there's more that Sally James could have done, but also it was just absolutely stunning and completely unexpected and I like don't count it as a defensive error really in my mind at all that produced it so to be honest yeah I think um and I think as a team as well they looked very um organized defensively which is a good thing in terms of how they were setting up for corners and the like so that that that's a big positive how they defend across the field um and yeah, they, they, so on the whole, I'm, I don't have too much anxiety to be honest, but I am interested to see if there will be presumably no, but like high rotation from Leah Blaney in this context, like how she's going to manage that, you know, that tournament football side of things. And if we'll see new faces, because it, it as we discussed in the preview pod, all of this is a bonus. This is a really great opportunity to give a lot of players a lot of opportunities, but at the same time, you want to do well and you want to compete. So getting that balance right. Next game, I'll have a a more comprehensive answer. And I will, again, I will have watched it a lot more closely. (sighs) I think as well defensively, like, yes, Sally James absolutely gives off that vibe. And she started to give off that vibe when she, started to make appearances for Melbourne City towards the back end of their season as well when she came back from injury. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see her in, in in pressure moments because I feel like, yeah, Marissa, like a Tegan Micah comparison I think is is really accurate. I think I've, I get that sense from her. But another player who I was really impressed with was Naomi Chinema. Like she, even though with Melbourne City, maybe we hadn't seen her perhaps in her favoured position, we'd seen her mostly as a right back. And when she was sort of thrown in, I think season before last, she looked very out of her depth and and not quite up to speed. But I think anchoring that defence alongside Ella Tonkin, 
she always seemed to be in exactly the position that she needed to be in. She didn't, I did. I don't think she even had to make a tackle in fact, which is a probably a testament to the midfielders and doing a lot of cleaning up when Costa Rica were coming through, but she very rarely got turned around. She very rarely looked flustered. She looked really confident and really in command of, of everything that was in front of her. And that's a really um, another thing that makes me feel safe, you know, like a comf- like a, like a weighted blanket. Like I'm very glad that she was there. Um, I'd be curious to see in terms of rotation, whether Jess Nash might be given a little bit more time in a future game because she operates, I think, better as a center back rather than a right back, even though she played at right back for Sydney. Um, she is, has been touted by lots of people as a future captain of the Matildas. And so in like to see her, I think in moments like that, maybe alongside a, a Chinema or alongside a Tonkin, that, that could be an interesting thing. And I also think she offers a little bit more speed maybe than what Naomi and, and Ella do. Um, so coming up against, you know, a Brazil or a Spain, or even if we get to the quarterfinals, like one of the sort of the faster, more transitional kinds of teams, perhaps we will need a little bit more speed at the back there. Um, but other than that, yeah, I was, I was really impressed. I was impressed. Like everyone was just like, and like we talked in this preview pod, right. And we were like, we're actually feeling pretty good about these players. Cause we like, we've seen them. We sort of know what the vibe is. You know, we've seen their, their friendly results. Like that's pretty good. But uh, like now that we've actually seen them, I feel even more confident about what this team is capable of doing. And remembering that they've barely had that much time together. Like, yeah, they were in Mexico for 10, 14 days. And then they had the window against New Zealand back in April. But other than that, the last time they played a game was in 2019. It was a whole, basically a whole new team of young Matildas. And this is like, like credit massively to Leah Blaney and to the coaching staff for being able to create an environment and a training system that has allowed them to find this chemistry with one another so quickly and to be able to post a performance like this. Yes, it's against Costa Rica and it's, you know, you can only say so much about it, but I think we did see the kind of football that we want to be seeing from this team against Costa Rica. You know what I mean? Like we saw confident, we saw um, controlled, we saw, possession-based, we saw progressive football, all this sort of stuff that usually when you talk about youth football, particularly youth women's football in Australia, it's often disregarded as bomb it long and have the quick players run on top of it. But this wasn't that. And that makes me really happy. I'm just really happy, guys. You did say on the broadcast, Sam, though, that there were a couple of things that it wasn't a perfect performance. There were a couple of things that you're hoping can be tinkered and fixed ahead of the following two games. So what are you hoping to see improvements in with this with this team? Yeah, good question. Um, I think, as I said, I think the, the moments that Costa Rica looked most threatening were the moments where we made errors and they were usually uh, individual errors. So errors where a player didn't pass the ball fast enough, uh, an error where a touch was just a little bit too big, an error where they made just the wrong decision. They just under hit or over hit a pass things, just little sort of technical things like that, I think need to be tidied up because coming up against teams like Brazil and Spain, they're not going to waste opportunities like that. You know what I mean? Like we have to be technically very, very good um, in order to, to, to get a result against them. But I also think that we need to, and we, we sort of started to do it, particularly in the second half. We need to trust our midfielders because I feel like the first half, it was a little bit try and 
play wide, get around the fullbacks and cross it in, which is a little bit reminiscent of senior Matildas. And I think that we are technically too good in the centre of the park to sort of lean into that style of play almost. Um, And even though our goals did come from those kinds of positions, I think that we could be more dangerous, particularly maybe with a more experienced centre forward. Like I'd be curious to see whether maybe Sheridan Gallagher coming into the number nine and switching with another winger, maybe an Abby Lemon coming in as a winger on the other side of Briley Henry on both sides and having a like a big barrelly number nine in Sheridan Gallagher through the middle. Maybe that would be a little bit a different kind of dynamic that would encourage our midfielders to get on the ball a bit more because you know, looking back over the course of their friendlies, a lot of their goals seemed to come from midfielders. They came from Gallich, they came from Sarah Hunter, and I think there were two from Carly Johnson as well, who started as the number nine tonight, but or today rather, but she she seems to get sort of muscled off the ball quite a lot and she didn't really make much of an impact. So coming up against more experienced defenders, particularly centre backs, I think that we need a a stronger, more physical presence as that number nine. And by virtue of that, I think we would be able to create maybe a bit more opportunity for our midfielders to go forward because we know and we've seen in A-League women's that both Sarah Hunter and Hannah Lowry are able to shoot from distance. And so we need to be able to encourage them into positions where they're able to do that. Um, We might not be as technical as a Brazil or a Spain, but we do have those kinds of quality players who can take their opportunities when they're presented to them. So I think that that's maybe something to, to, to tinker with going forward. One final thing from this game that I wanted to mention, I tweeted about it because it made me so happy after Christy, Kirsty Fenton's header, Sheridan Gallagher, pick, Oh my God. Sheridan Gallagher picked up the ball, went to the huddle of her teammates, lifted the ball above her head, like it was a phone and did the selfie celebration. And I just want to say, for everything those kids lacked in knowing how to use a camcorder, they made up for in celebrations. That was icon behaviour from all of the kids. I absolutely loved it. I can't wait to see what they produce next. So that was, yeah, I, I need, someone needed to mention the selfie celebration because it was very, very good. But, um, we did have other games at the Under-20s World Cup. We aren't the only team here. So the one that we obviously had our eye on was the other one in Group A. It was Spain and Brazil drawing nil-nil, which is spicy and good for us. Why is it good for us, Samantha? It is very good for us. Oh, I love permutation <laughs> chat. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so Spain drawing with Brazil means that Australia topped the group. As you mentioned earlier, Marissa, we're on three points. Brazil and Spain each have one point and Costa Rica on zero. But this means now going forward that if we're able to get at least maybe a point and score a couple goals against one of the last two teams, we could be in the top two. And it's only the top two teams from each group that go through to the quarterfinals. So if we're able to get something, we're actually in with a real shot at getting through to the quarters, which would be amazing. And like another sort of permutation chat, which is peripheral, but still quite interesting in terms of contextualizing the young Matildas is what's happened in group B. So those games kicked off uh, earlier this morning. We saw Colombia beat Germany 1-0. And for context, the Matildas played Colombia in a friendly just last week and beat them 3-2. 
So my maths is, well, if we beat Colombia and Colombia beat Germany, then we're better than Germany, right? That's how this works. So Colombia are currently top of Group B after New Zealand drew with Mexico 1-0 and the Young Matildas also drew with Mexico 3-3 in a friendly before this tournament. So, you know, that's a pretty good reflection of where our girls are, are really at in terms of these kinds of teams, right? And especially I mentioned again on the broadcast that this Mexico team are the ones who finished runners-up at the Under-17s Women's World Cup back in 2018. They lost to Spain and New Zealand came third. And these are the teams, the groups of players who have largely stayed together over the course of the last few years. And they're now coming into the under twenties. So, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty confidence building to, to see you know, results like this and, and, and moments like this, because yeah, like I don't think Australia really as bad as maybe what people have been making out over the last couple of years. And I'm like, I'm touching every piece of wood that I own currently when I say that, but you know, like it's a, it's a really positive first match day, I think in that respect. So yeah, it's that, that draw between Brazil and Spain, huge for us, because if we're able to get a result against either of them, we're through to the knockouts. I just love the thought of you like going full circle of under twenties, women's world cup, full Pepe Silvia, like putting the the red strings, the pins. That's where my brain went to. We know. We know because I can see it. We'll make the meme. It'll be great. It'll be very fun. But yes, I, as someone who does circle of dub or tries to do circle of dub every year, I also follow that math. But if we beat them and they beat them, then obviously we are number one. Obviously. It's Um, maths. (laughs) And we are not math people as long-term listeners of this podcast will know. We are not math people. But anyway. I think that's enough from us for today. We will chat to you all again after our meeting with Brazil. It's always Brazil. Funnily enough, at 2006, our last appearance at the Under-20s Women's World Cup, we also played Brazil. We lost 2-0 back then, but hoping that we can get a bit more of a positive result. That game kicks off 6am Australian Eastern Standard Time on Sunday morning. It will be on SBS and SBS On Demand. Sam will be on the telly once again, so make sure you tune in. But otherwise, What thanks. time do you need to wake up? Yeah, what time do you need to wake up for that? Very early. <laughs> I have to be, I think the, the call sheet is I need to be at the studio by 4.45. Discourse then. <laughs> <laughs> so kickoff is 6am, but we have to be, yeah, we have to be there, get hair, makeup done. We have to do a run through, all that sort of stuff. So, yep, RIP me. Yeah, but also, can I just say, Sam looks stunning right now in her makeup from the TV studio, mm-hmm. which is rude because mm-hmm. I look and feel like a potato. I was say, so, Angela and I are in hoodies, just looking like, how are you going? And Sam's like, I'm ready. I'm here. Vogue. Vogue, yes. I'm a queen. <laughs> but, yes, you will it's see It's going to be worse on Sunday morning as well. It's... <laughs> Like, for me, I just need to say that. I need to get it ahead of me. Anyway, but good for you, Sam. Good for you. I'm not angry. (laughs) Anyway, 6 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, Sunday morning, SBS. We will watch our Tillies take on Brazil, hoping for a more positive result, and obviously we will chat about it, whatever it is, 
as soon as we can, to be honest. But thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, we are on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google, all the usual podcast places. If you like what we do, feel free to subscribe and leave a review if you really like what we do and want to say nice things about us. If you want to have a chat, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, go Tillies and we'll see yous. Also, just quickly, just SBS stand for Sam B. Slade. <laughs> I regret saying that. Now it's come at a moment. I have that moment of I know who scored and yet I need to have it in front of me in case in the moment I do the intro I forget who scored. <laughs> that, it's Hunter Henry Fenton. It sounds like a posh private school boy's name. <laughs> Hunter Henry Fenton. <laughs> I'm so glad you're recording this.